Hi, this is the Cancer Liberation Project podcast. If you've been touched by cancer and have some fear around remaining healthy, you are in the right place. As a 20-year-plus cancer survivor, Haley knows how unsettling it can be to not only hear the words, you have cancer, but also the uncertainty and fear that comes when you have been declared cancer-free. The Cancer Liberation Project was born out of Haley's desire to make cancer less scary for people, to give people hope that they can not only heal from cancer, but live their best, most vibrant life after cancer. Get ready to be inspired with your host, Haley Dubin. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Cancer Liberation Project. Today, I'm sitting down with Dr. Michael Carlfeld. He has been in clinical practice since 1987 and runs a busy integrative medicine center, the Carfelt Center, in Boise, Idaho. Dr. Carfelt and his staff pride themselves in being compassionate cancer warriors, focusing on cutting-edge integrative cancer therapies, working with international leaders to provide metabolic, genetic, and nutritional solutions to cancer while triggering cancer cell death through targeted oxidation. His drive to investigate and implement effective, restorative, and safe cancer therapies was fueled by losing his father to colon cancer in his 20s. His passion to promote natural health publicly has led him to be a sought-after lecturer, writer, and educator. He was the host of The Dr. Michael Show, which aired 100 episodes discussing important health-related topics, reaching about a million viewers. Currently, he hosts the TV show True Health, Body, Mind, Spirit, available on Amazon Prime for many years and now airing on Tubi TV. Also, be sure to not miss his internationally recognized podcast, Integrative Cancer Solutions, with Dr. Carfelt, where he features cancer survivors sharing how they beat cancer, and his podcast, Integrative Lyme Solutions, with Dr. Carfelt, where he features people who have successfully conquered Lyme disease. Dr. Carfield believes in the innate intelligence and healing power of the body, and if properly supported, spiritually, emotionally, and nutritionally, it can find its way back to health. I look forward to sharing my conversation with Dr. Carfield, but before I do, just a reminder, head over to my website at revivewellness.com to get your free seven top tips to keep cancer away and feel confident in your body again. That's R-E-V-I-V-E wellness.com. Hi, Dr. Carlfeld. Thank you so much for coming on the Cancer Liberation Project. I'm really looking forward to talking to you today. Well, I'm excited to be here. I mean, it's such a subject that's dear to my heart and and, anything I can do to share information, I'm happy. Well, that's great because I really do want to hear what made you decide to become a naturopathic doctor and also get into helping people with cancer? Yeah, so it's actually quite a journey for me becoming a naturopathic doctor. I I initially, I started on the route of becoming an engineer, and my goal was actually to become a a particle physicist. That that was my dream, to go to Stanford and be a particle physicist and to you know, uh, kind of do experiments and, and calculations and figure things out over at the uh, electron accelerator that they have over there. So, so that, that's where I was heading. And then uh, a good friend of mine that was like a father figure to me, he was one of the leading naturopathic doctors in Sweden, you know, where I'm from. And uh, he said, you should, you should come and check this out, what I'm doing and, and see what you think. So 
I will say, you know, I spent time with him and, and saw the impact that he had on patients. And then I, and I fell in love with it. So I started to actually study under, under him for you know, seven years. So I, I was in clinical training with him for that time, in addition to the, the scholastic aspect that I did. So I, I clinical experience started back in 1987. So it's been a while. And why did you decide to focus on cancer survivors? I know you do a lot of other things. I, I love all the other things as well, but cancer is, is just one of those things that I feel that uh, traditional medicine really has not uh, brought forth any good solutions. And we, we spent billions and billions of dollars. And ever since you know, Nixon declared war on cancer, it just seems like all the money that has gone um, into that war has uh, just fueled very similar solutions. So we, we still seem to be in, in the you know, cut, burn, and, and poison uh, type of scenario. They're coming out with some immunotherapy and, and some other uh, targeted uh, type of therapies. So they're, they're evolving a little bit, but it, it doesn't seem you, I, I would feel that they would have come further with the amount of money that they spent. And it's almost when you have so much money in an industry like that, then you start to be concerned that if they find a solution, what's going to happen to all these people's jobs. So maybe the solution is, is not as attractive you know, to them. Uh, it is to be on that constant journey of, of searching, but never finding. So, so recognizing that you know, people are not really finding that hope or finding that solution there, I wanted to embark on the journey on my end and see if we can then support the body in, in natural ways and kind of check what drivers and, and, and utilizing things that are not as harmful or not harmful at all, more restorative and reparative, and, and find a better solution and go in that direction. So the people coming to me and they're just not having solutions and, uh, and me doing things and then they seem to be successful. So I wanted to continue that. Yeah, well, that leads me to ask, do people come to you after they go for regular treatment and they're really not getting much better? Or do they come to you because they want more natural solutions or both? So it's a little bit of both. You know, like, for instance, I had a, a elderly lady today. You know, she she came to me third time having cancer and and. And she's done all the traditional can offer her and they don't have anything left to offer her. So uh, now she has to, you know, cause it's a cancer that will kill her very soon. So she has to look for something else. So then you're in that, you know, you're in the corner, you have to do something. So you have some patients that are like that. You have other patients that are educated and just recognize that they don't feel that the chemo and, and radiation and surgery may be the complete solution. And either they want to integrate or, or maybe they just want to do it all holistically. Um, so it, it, it depends and, and depends on the cancer. So we, we sit down and we go through what type of cancer they have. And, and they obviously meet with our oncologist and see what, what options that are available and what, what is the outcome. Uh, you know, the promised outcome, you know, from the oncologist, because a lot of times the, they can only, they, they're, they're fantastic oncologists and traditional uh, cancer care. They're fantastic at shrinking tumors. 
and making making it look like wow we are extremely successful but whether they expand life you know the the span of life and definitely quality of life you know that 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 is the question you know and uh, so that's where what i do becomes very useful and powerful because those are the components that we we address quite a bit now, will you ever work with other people's oncologists? I'm sure a lot of them aren't open to it, but I was curious if there's ever that partnership where you can tell them some of the things you can do, like therapies, IVs, that kind of stuff, supplements. We do actually have a, a medical oncologist here at, at the center that comes and uh, he's not here full time, but if it's somebody that wants a kind of second opinion to see, you know, to kind of hash it out and and kind of clear, you know, get a clear picture of what it is that they need to do. Uh, they can then meet with him, Dr. Yacaboni. He's you know been over at MD Anderson, been doing this for like 40 years and hundreds of thousands of you know cancer patient interactions. So so he has he has a good grasp uh, of what's what's going on. And then also, you know, he will say uh, he's been kind of the, the leading cancer doc in you know clinics in Mexico and you know, other integrated clinics. So uh, so he's he's a good kind of sounding board. But in regard to other oncologists, I mean, usually what happens is that they tolerate me. Yeah. Uh, and uh, there are, I've, I've had interactions. Yeah. They have called me or wanted to chat with me over the phone just because the, the patient really wanted to and, and they were agreeable to that. Most of the time they're not, but yeah, some of them were. And, and so uh, they kind of listen a little bit what, what it is that I'm doing and acknowledge that. You know, they really don't have any training in, in this field. And it sounds all very interesting, you know, as, as long as it doesn't interfere with the therapies that they do. And I want to make sure that I don't, because if a person is choosing to do chemo radiation, I want to make sure that we maximize the effect of that, you know, if they're choosing to do that. And there are a lot of natural ways of doing that and minimize also the adverse effects, you know, from these uh, therapies. So, I, I want to make sure then that a patient is supported, and I also want the oncologist, if they if they are nervous, you know, that they feel reassured that I'm not here to fight them in any way. I'm here to support the patient, you know, through the journey uh, while they're also under the care of an oncologist. So coming with that attitude and, and speaking to the patients like that, and I haven't had an oncologist to really be angry at me, you know, not that I know of at least. So, but <laughs> well, that's great. Maybe just internally. <laughs> but I'm glad that some are open because some patients, you know, they're so scared to just go all natural and they they feel pressure to have chemo and radiation and surgery and all that. And so if you could work with the oncologist, at least it's it's better, right? Um, I was curious, I would love to hear some of the therapies you do? I work together with clinics and like in Germany and in Mexico, and, and we, we try to drive um, a therapy forward that I, I feel has been extremely beneficial for my patients and patients in other clinics as well. It's not widely used here in the United States yet. Um, it is something that I'm, I'm hoping we can move forward you know, so that it'd be more and more available for, for patients. It's called photodynamic therapy. 
that is then utilized in then a photosensitizer, and uh, you introduce that intravenously. Uh, you can also inject it locally, you know, to kind of saturate the tissue around the cancer. And uh, what that does is that based upon how the cancer develops blood vessels, they tend to be leaky and disorganized. And so kind of their, the circulatory aspect of the uh, cancer cells, it then allows and this photosensitizer to more efficiently accumulate you know, within the cancer cells. So here you have this photosensitizer, which means that it will then pull light towards itself and kind of hold on the energy of the light. Then as the next step, we want to make sure that we have oxygen in that environment, you know, because uh, what we ultimately want to do is to oxidize that cancer cell. So we are, we are utilizing then therapies like ozone IV, hyperbaric oxygen therapy. Another machine that we have here is called the Hocket, you know, which is runs a 10 different, about 10 different therapies at the same time, but you know, a couple of them that are very important in, in this role is uh, the carbon dioxide and then ozone carbon dioxide helps them to open up the pores, you know, to bring in ozone into the bloodstream. And it also helps the red blood cells to dump the oxygen into uh, cells, you know, so that you have a quicker exchange. So now you have then the photosensitizer in the cancer cell. Now you have oxygen in the cancer cell, and now you can then expose that to intravenous laser light, external laser light, and you use different frequencies that match the photosensitizer that you've introduced. So what that does is that it will then start to accumulate that energy of that, that laser of that light accumulates in the cancer cell and it triggers the production of something's called reactive oxygen species, or stands for ROS, which in essence means that you trigger oxidation of the cancer cell. So it's kind of like you're rusting the cancer cell, you know, like your uh, iron and rust, you know, you're oxidizing the cancer cell and, and destroying its integrity and killing it. So, so that, that's kind of the main aspect of the therapies that we would do. And then uh, there are a bunch of other things that I can talk about a little bit as well. Do you do all of those at the same time or how does that work? And are there any side effects? People come here, they, they tend to come here for two weeks, you know, so they fly here from a little bit all over the United States and also from outside the country. And they stay here for, for two weeks and we introduce and the photosensitization at the beginning of those two weeks. So it can then accumulates in the cancer cells and this specific photosensitizer that we use actually stays in the cancer cells for at least a couple of weeks, if not a little bit longer. And so then they will receive then intravenous laser therapy, external laser, uh, oxygen therapy every day. But that specific photosensitizer is introduced just in the beginning of those two weeks. And um, so people are pretty much here from you know, nine to four you know, every day getting therapies and along with the ones that I mentioned. Okay. And are there side effects to these? There, there aren't. Um, with the photosensitizer, sometimes you can kind of feel a little bit like a little back spasm or a little kind of reaction with, with that, uh, but that, that goes away. And uh, other than that, you know, any, there are no long-term side effects because it just flushes out of the, the system. And all the other agents are natural agents, you know, like vitamin C, 
when you do a high dose of vitamin C, people can feel a bit tired while you're doing that, you know, the day after they're fine for things like, you know, curcumin, if a person then maybe have a little bit of, of a sensitivity to something, we kind of screen that out prior to, you know, some, so we make sure that people take curcumin orally prior to, you know, make sure they're doing okay, you know, before they get the inter intravenous version of it. But when you compare it to things like, you know, chemo or the pharmaceutical drugs, these are natural agents that the body is used to seeing in nature. And so it, it just has restorative, reparative effect on the body versus destructive. And what is beautiful with this is that, you know, this type of therapy then becomes just destructive to the cells that can't handle that stress, which is the cancer cells. So not all the other cells like chemo does. Yeah, exactly. So it, it's not indiscriminate. It's very specific. And uh, for the healthy cells, it actually is restorative and make the immune system stronger and make these other cells more able to withstand cancer's uh, desire to recruit them into you know, their mission, which is to create cancer more places. And can you just give me an example of maybe someone who wasn't doing very well and, and came to your clinic and then did these therapies and what happened? I'd, I'd love to here. I'm sure you have many, many stories, but yeah, I mean, one, one, I would say the kind of more drastic one was a, a, a lady with a glioblastoma and she uh, did not have a lot of uh, function. You know, she wasn't able to pick things off the floor. She wasn't able to move around very well. And uh, it was, was interesting actually after the first day of treatment, she came, came in the day after and uh, she was able to pick things off the floor. She was able to move around and she was, you know, so she, it was that kind of immediate response, you know, and she regained all her function and was able to walk around in, in the hills, you know, with, with her husband. And yeah, so that, that was a really kind of drastic, drastic response, you know, and that was immediate. Have, uh, you know, lung cancers, you know, we've seen that pretty well, you know, where, Traditional care really doesn't have a lot of solutions for lung cancer. I mean, they can manage it and maybe kind of prolong things. But uh, here I was seeing then a, a complete remission, you know, right after where there's, there's nothing left, you know, after you know, and, and the lungs were you know, all filled with a lot of things that we, we didn't want to see in lungs. And so you have that, you have you know, patients where the doctors pretty much saying you should you know, pick up skydiving and start eat whatever garbage food you want because you're not going to live, you know, more than three months anyway. And, uh, you know, and he's still here many years later talking about it. It's, it's really fun to, to see the effects of, of these people and, and see what, what you can do. Obviously, there's no, not a be-all, end-all solution for, for anything, but it, it, it holds a great promise. And I've just uh, seen amazing results with patients. That's so great. And I'm sure it's so gratifying, right? Yeah. You know, I was wondering, because obviously cancer is a multifactorial disease. There's not one reason we get cancer. So what are those things that people could look at when trying to avoid cancer or avoid recurrence? Mm -hmm. I mean, the best strategy is, is, like when I was uh, chatting with Thomas Lodi, he's another 
doctor that uh, does a lot of cancer therapies, you know, and, and he always says, you know, first strategy, you know, don't make cancer cells, you know, <laughs> stop making cancer cells. But how do you do that? Yeah, so uh, then you got to look at the factors that can drive cancer. And obviously you have all the different chemicals, heavy metals, you know, those are toxins in themselves, you know, so you got to take a look at that. But then also you want to take a look at you know, the electro smog that we're dealing with. So you want to take a look at what's going on in your house. You know, how are you impacted? How much time are you dealing with devices? Where do you have 5G towers? You know, what's your uh, EMF in your house? You know, those type of factors. And then you want to take a look at your emotional toxins. You know, what are some of the traumas that you're dealing with? Are you feeling joy in life? Do you feel fulfilled? You know, and then your spiritual connections becomes really important as well. Do you feel connected? Do you feel grounded? Uh, are you part of a community? Uh, if you are Christian, do you connected to to God? If you are Buddhist, are you, are you do you meditate? Are you connected to who you are? That that spiritual belief. It's important to have that spiritual connection and that community connection, and then also. Uh, looking at traumas uh, because traumas can really allow or feed cancer so that it, it becomes. And I frequently see, especially things like breast cancer, you know, it's a very emotional cancer. I've seen you know, mothers and females that have had traumatic relationship experiences uh, and then right after then develop breast cancer. So it is that emotional component that's really huge. And the uh, in addition to that, then obviously you want to build health. You want to restore gut health. You know, 70 to 80% of your immune system is in, is in your gut. So uh, you want to control your inflammation. Uh, so are you eating foods that are promoting inflammation? Uh, you want to also eat food that's not feeding cancer. And so so it's all these different things that, that should be part of an individual strategy in order to not produce cancer cells. And um, so it, it's it's important to do kind of a, a list, you know, kind of a laundry list of things that you, you need to check off and make sure, you know, am I addressing this? Am I addressing that? And am I happy? Am I, you know, do I enjoy nature or am I just stuck at, at the office or stuck at home? You know, do I exercise? You know, we know that the more we exercise, the, you know, the less likely we are to die from cancer. You know, and even the people that are diagnosed with cancer, the ones that are exercising more, they live longer and they have better outcomes. So uh, it's just looking at these factors. In fact, I think 20, I think exercise alone increases your likelihood of survival by like 25%. You know, so it, it's, it's insane what just one factor can do. And you look at some of these chemo drugs, they maybe improve the outcome by like 10% or 5%. Here you have just something that's free that you can do uh, and you increase your uh, the impact of your therapy so much more. Yeah. I mean, I'm a health coach and I always try to get my clients to exercise when, well, no matter what, but when they're going through treatment and a lot of times they're saying, I'm too tired. I can't, I can't. But if you just do, you know, go for a walk or whatever it is for 15 minutes, if that's all you could do, you know, it just does the body so much good. But, you know, going back to all these things, are you someone who addresses all that? Or, you know, I know people hear that and they're like, oh my gosh, I, that's so overwhelming. How do I address all those things? Yeah, just to kind of give you a taste of what it looks like when people come here uh, for the two weeks. 
So we, we do the photodynamic therapy that I explained. We do then the uh, other oxidative therapies, you know, like the high dose vitamin C, artisanate, you know, and uh, then also we work on the metabolic component of cancer, you know, so you uh, kind of shift the cancer away from the fermentation cycle, you know, which produces what's called lactic acid, you know, that will then trigger growth of, of cancer and, and invasion of cancer. So polyMBA, DCA, we use that and to kind of shut, shut that process down and try to drive it through energy production through the mitochondria, which will then, uh, and mitochondria holds the key to the cell death switch, you know, so that it prevents the cell from becoming immortal. So we were then funneling these. So that way we can start killing the cancer cells that way. We do control a lot of the cancer drivers, you know, like curcumin, you know, curcumin IV that we do is very fantastic in that, along with also, you know, poly MBA, you know, does, does the same thing and, and uh, artisanate. So they, they have all these natural agents. What's so great is to have such a multifactorial role is that they, they don't just address one aspect, you know, which a lot of drugs do, you know, because it's so purified and, and, and have an active ingredient. And this is what it does. The natural agents have a very broad spectrum. So we have that covered. And then we also focus on the dietary aspect. So we do have a nutritionist that uh, you have cancer doctors from all over the United States use her because she's that good uh, in regard to guiding uh, patients uh, with their diet and what they should eat. So we starve the cancer through food. You know, we don't give them what the cancer should need. We do work on the emotional component as well. We have a, people do a therapy called APN, stands for Applied Psychonerbiology. It was a therapy that Dr. Dietrich Klinghart, he's a, one of the leading integrative docs here in, in the world, I would say. So it's, it's a way that integrates a lot of you know, like eye movements, laser sweeps, color, uh, we do applied kinesiology to pinpoint and see where traumas are stored, along with then seeing what emotions that's connected. You know, let's say, you know, you have a fear that's frequently in the kidneys, you know, so then we see, you know, okay, so we see a fear in the kidneys, you know, where's it coming from? Uh, then we can uh, work with the subconscious through applied kinesiology. And see, I came from age five and it is connected to your father. And, uh, and then we can use um, eye movements, laser color to help to uh, kind of integrate the body, you know, to release that trauma uh, instead of having it stuck in that area, then impacting the body. Then in regards to spiritual connection, I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Christian myself, but it doesn't mean that every, everyone else is Christian, but for the ones that, that are, we offer a program called God's Healing Love. You know, so we have a prayer warrior that, that comes and, and kind of teaches the individual and the family members you know, how to pray for healing. Uh, because it's, a, it's one thing just to pray for daily life. But now when you're dealing with life and death, then you want to make sure that you're as effective and powerful as possible in your prayers. You know, so, so that's something that we offer as well. Uh, we do a lot of frequency medicine as well, like uh, singing bowls, uh, uh, rife therapy. Uh, we do uh, detoxification, like ionic, you know, foot baths. Uh, do uh, have lymphatic, you know. So we have a uh, a machine, you know, these these pads that kind of hook up to all over your body to kind of move the lymph out of your system to kind of detoxify that way. 
is really crammed. I mean, when people get here, we we have a another scan that kind of scans the whole body to pinpoint and see other stressors, you know, like pathogens, uh, heavy metals, chemicals, nutritional deficiencies. You know, people want to do genetic testing. We do that. We offer that in addition. You know, to see what are some of genetic SNPs that might be driving this, and and gut health as well. Gut health as well, yeah. So that so that that the nutritionist and that the uh, our cancer patient work with, that's one of her specialties. Yeah. So yeah, gut health is is her passion. Great to know. So when I was finished with treatment twenty three years ago, I just was more scared than ever because I thought, oh my gosh, what do I do now? So. I was wondering, do you have any kind of survivorship program? How does that work after the two weeks that you're doing all these things with them? Yeah, so so obviously it's not just two weeks and now you're done and off you go and hopefully, <laughs> yeah, good luck. Yeah, that that's that's not what happens. So we uh, we establish an aftercare as to what it is that I I would suggest. You know, some patients, they come fly back here, you know, once a month for the next few months for a few days just to uh, kind of get booster treatments that way. Uh, if they have local resources, we try to utilize them as much as possible because you don't need all the different therapies that we do all the time. But, you know, if they have a somebody that does you know, good quality vitamin C, high dose vitamin C locally or ozone or hyperbaric, you know, I, I try to at least see if they can do those in conjunction. And then I will then do through telemedicine, we'll guide them through, you know, with its specific supplements and, you know, going through, you know, as we are monitoring things with labs and imaging, and uh, we are then seeing, you know, are we going in the right direction? Do we need to adjust? And what are some things that we can do better and, and so forth? So I'll be there guiding them through that, that whole process. So we by the time they leave here, we're, we're great friends and, and we continue to be friends for many years after. I bet. I bet. I could see that you are a very warm person and it's comforting when you are finished to know they have my back. You know, I'm not just alone in this. So it's so important. I wanted to quickly ask you about the rise in estrogen, estrogenic type cancers for both women and men. Um, I wanted to hear from you why you think that and, and what can be done about that. I mean, estrogen is a, it's a strong driver. And especially since we're exposed to it in so many ways through what's called xenohormones or, or substances that have a hormone-like effect on the body. And, and in fact, these different chemicals that we're exposed to and plastics and, you know, they, they function like hormones in a way, but they are much, much stronger. So, which means that they will then drive uh, these type of cancers uh, forward in, in a quite rapid pace. So in, in order to be able to address that, so you, you have then, uh, so let's, let's take a, you know, somebody that uh, a female dealing with breast cancer, for instance. So, we establish what type of cancer it is. We also establish what are the drivers. You know, is it ER positive? Yeah, you know, estrogen positive, progesterone positive. Uh, is it HER2 positive or negative? Or is it triple negative? You know, what, what are we dealing with? Is it localized? Has it spread? What are we dealing with? So then we can then establish based upon what we know about the cancer, then we can then address it with uh, natural agents that are known to then 
uh, work on like the, the estrogen or the progesterone, or if you're a triple negative, you know, what, what are the common drivers? You know, do we need to address drivers like mTOR or VEGF or P53 gene? You know, how's that doing? So all of these are technical terms, but these are just for the listeners to know that these are things that as a practitioner, you take into consideration in order to be able then to more efficiently then address this you know, specific breast cancer that we're seeing. And that then translates into these different drivers, translates into all the other tumors and all the other types of cancers. You know, you can genetically look and see what are some of the, the drivers for this cancer, but you can also then look what are the common drivers for this specific cancer, like pancreatic cancer. What are some of the common drivers that we need to address and then utilizing then uh, natural strategies, you know, to block these different drivers you know, so that uh, cancer doesn't really have anywhere to go. So as we are then going after the cancer, it, it really doesn't have as much of an escape mechanism or able to utilize the immune system for its own good. That becomes one component when you're dealing with hormonal cancers and one looking at the hormonal drivers, you know, two looking at the other type of drivers. And then you want to then develop then a, a strategy in order to be able to address these different drivers. And with hormonal, as you're saying, that you know, the reason we're dealing with it so much, I think, is because of all the chemicals and toxins that we're just exposed to all the time. And also, I think also the emotional stressors that we are dealing with, because you have that hypothalamic gateway that is, is kind of like the gateway between our I would say spirit, but our kind of emotional being and our physical well-being. So if we are dealing with stress, it was going to throw off what's called the HPA axis, which is the hypothalamus pituitary adrenal axis. Uh, adrenals are the ones that uh, is our gland to deal with stress. You know, so if we are stressed, then that's going to impact the A part that will then bleed into the H part of the HPA axis. So which will then kind of drive a lot of these hormonal cancers as well. So there's a lot of factors, I think, that is kind of pushing for these cancers to really blossom, you know, and, and really take off. And I'm seeing it more and more. It's, it seems, you know, war on cancer. We, I, as I look at it, we're, we're completely failing because more and more people are getting it. You know, we should, first step should be prevention and I'm not seeing it. Exactly. Now, I know you don't have too much time. So I, before we get into random round questions, I just wanted to ask you, what is the most important advice or tip you would give somebody that is going through cancer? I would say being in control of your outcome. Um, I've, I've seen that the, the people that feel that, uh, that, that take, hold the power to themselves and guide their own treatment tend to do better. And I've, I've seen this even with people that are, when, when you get cancer, all of a sudden the treatment doesn't become your choice, you know, because you have all your friends and family, they say you need to do this. And you almost feel kind of guilt tripped into doing therapies that you normally wouldn't have chosen to do. So it is important that you recognize that it is your life it is your outcome. It is your decision. And if you give that decision away, give that power away to somebody else, 
then your immune system is not going to function as as well. You're not going to be as active in, in your healing journey. And that tends to promote a worse outcome. So I over and above you know, all the other things, I think that is a really important component that people miss. I think that's great advice. Now, are you ready for random round? There, it's going to have to be really quick. Let's do it. Let's rock it. Fill in the blank. Freedom to you is? Joy. The last show you binged and loved? <laughs> oh, that was probably Monk. Was, was the last one. Monk and Seinfeld, those, those, that's kind of my, my style. <laughs> I love Seinfeld. <laughs> when you're feeling afraid, what do you do? Uh, I, I recognize that that feeling is because that I'm in uncomfortable territory and that's where my greatest learning is. If you could have a one-hour discussion with someone past or present, who would it be and why? Huh. I would love to sit down with Einstein. That would have been really cool. I love physics. <laughs> what is your favorite go-to snack? Uh, I am Swedish. So uh, I, I know the listeners don't want to hear this and they shouldn't follow my advice, but I love ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> what is one simple thing that brings you joy? I, I would say Water. Yeah, being being by water, being by the ocean, sitting by a river, uh, that brings me joy. That that helps to kind of rebalance myself. What's on your nightstand? <laughs> Naturopathic oncology book. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite form of exercise? I, I love tennis. Yeah, I, I played tennis as a kid, so that that's how I get get to kind of burn off a lot of energy and uh, can I. Yes, I, I love that. Hitting the ball hard. Uh, I love that. I'm, I was a tennis player now. I'm playing pickleball, and I'm, I love pickleball now. What's one thing you're really grateful for in your life right now? I'm, I'm grateful for God. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for giving me purpose, giving me life, you know, and giving me, me people, family you know, that you know, where I feel love and I feel purpose. I feel... I'm grateful for that, you know, having, having that when there's a lot of crazy things around you, I, I, I'm grateful for that centeredness and that anchor. Mm, that is beautiful. And finally, what's the best way to reach you if people want more information? So they, they, there's, I mean, the best way is to go to my website, the carlfeldcenter.com. And uh, they can also call the center. It's 208-338-8902. I mean, I have podcasts and integrative cancer solutions with Dr. Carl Felt. And, and they can go to my other website, integrativecancersolutions.com. And they can put in their email and, and they get a, a free ebook that way about cancer solutions, and uh, which is a really, really cool book. So those would probably be the best avenues to, to reach me. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for your time. This is going to help a lot of people. So I really appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's it really been a pleasure. That's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. Doing so will really help this podcast get noticed and will help us to inspire more people. 
And remember, the sky is the limit when you take your power back when it comes to your health.